like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their Song of the Soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today, for Song of the Soul, we have the good fortune of welcoming Peter Sterling to our show. Peter's recent book is Hearing the Angels Sing. Led to play the harp at the direction of angels, Peter has been a prolific source of inspired music, dramatically popular especially in New Age circles. With 12 CDs and a chronicle of his path to world-healing music, Peter Sterling joins us by phone from Arizona. Peter, thank you so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Hello, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for sharing your music and hearing the angels sing. Obviously, you're a music maker. Did you intend to become a writer, too? No, I never did, but for the last 20 years, ever since I've been playing my harp music, people have always been asking me for my book because I do have such an unusual story. Again, the name of the book is Hearing the Angels Sing, A True Story of Angelic Assistance by Peter Sterling. I enjoyed the whole story and watching your development along the way. Let's just go back to uh, some very early things for you. How did you grow up religiously and musically? Where did they fit in your very early life? Actually, musically, I showed a skill for music at a very young age, actually at six years old. One evening, I sat down at the family piano, an old upright in the living room. My older brother, who's five years older, was practicing violin. One evening, I went into the living room and just started accompanying him on the piano and just playing by ear. And that started a period of time where every night I would go to the piano and just play freehand and just improvise. It got to the point where my mother would invite people over to come and hear me play, and I would give little recitals for her friends and other family members. And uh, this went on for a few months until one of her friends came by to hear me play who was an accomplished pianist. He was watching what I was doing. Of course, I didn't have the traditional skills of a trained pianist. I had a lot of feeling, but he told me, oh, no, 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 you're going to have to take lessons and learn how to play properly. He told me that I was doing it wrong, and in my six-year-old mind, all of a sudden, somebody was judging what I was doing, and that flipped the switch. I stopped playing immediately, and that was the end of my career with the piano. That is such a sad thing to hear. I mean, just people with their judgments jumping in, and they can't appreciate the beauty of what it is. Yeah, and it probably could have been better if he would have just kept that comment to himself and just admired how a little six-year-old was just playing by ear, and... But no, that didn't happen that way. So actually, when I started playing the harp 24 years later or so, it felt like I had picked up right where I had left off because the first melodies and songs and compositions that were developing and coming through for me 
had a feeling of familiarity and I, I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this has the feel of maybe the music that I was playing as a little boy but never got to fully express and now I'm picking up where I left off. I think you're about 10 years younger than I am. So the question that I had when I found out you picked up the harp, the time that I grew up, what you'd want to do is pick up the guitar because that was the thing that was going to get you to greatness, and that, that's where the scene was. Did you have that temptation along the way? Well, I did. I actually, for many years, I was, and still am in possession of my great-grandfather's guitar, which is a beautiful, it's over a 100-year-old Spanish guitar that my great-grandfather had picked up in Spain a long, long time ago. And in the early days, I would just pick it up and noodle and try to play along with some rock songs that I was hearing. But I never took a lesson until just before I started playing the harp. For about six months, I was really into learning classical and flamenco styles of playing on this old guitar. But then when the harp came through, I put the guitar in the closet and it has never come out again. Again, your recent book is Hearing the Angels Sing, A True Story of Angelic Assistance. And the thing I'd like you to share, Peter, if you wouldn't mind, is why you actually picked up the harp, because this isn't where you were headed. Well, before I started playing the harp, I was living in Colorado. I was a ski instructor in Aspen, and I had a pretty fabulous life. I was teaching skiing to um, celebrities and VIPs of all sorts. And I had always had a spiritual awareness from a young boy and a teenager. And then in my 20s, I was in Aspen and teaching skiing, and I did that for about 10 years. And I knew that there was something more for me. I had a feeling, and I received a message one day when I was up on the top of the mountain. I used to love to go to the top of Aspen Mountain and look over the view of the Rocky Mountains and kind of have my conversations with God up at 10,000 feet. One day I received a message that I should go to Sedona it was very strong communication. I had heard rumors of this town in the southwestern United States, which was a newly discovered and activated spiritual mecca for New Agers to go because of the supposed energy vortexes there and power spots. And I had rumors of it, so I decided to make a trip down to Sedona. And when I came down from Flagstaff down to Oak Creek Canyon for the first time, I was struck with a real deep, powerful feeling of familiarity and I knew after spending a couple of days there that I would return and move there. And so I did. I, I went back to Colorado, and a couple of months later, I moved down to Sedona by myself. And that's when uh, the whole journey of discovery with myself as a musician began. That really started when I ventured out into the wilderness outback of Sedona, which is a vast canyon lands full of ancient ruins and beautiful, majestic skyline and canyon areas. But the most impactful for me of this area was the experience of a silence and tranquility, but specifically silence. I would hike out in the canyons by myself and just sit and meditate and just listen to the sounds. And it was just a stillness there that I had, I don't think I had ever experienced anything like that. And when I closed my eyes and just meditated in that stillness and that silence, my mind was able to become very, very calm and still and empty, as like the Buddhists say. And then ultimately what happened was out of the silence, I started to hear sound and, and music. It was like the angels began to sing. First, I thought maybe somebody was out in the forest with me playing a portable stereo with some classical music on it. But then I realized that, no, this music was coming from within me. And it was very similar to the experience that was portrayed in the movie August Rush 
which was the story of the young boy who heard the music when he was out into nature and when he became a very famous composer. At times when I was out in nature and listening to the silence and tuning into this celestial music, it seemed like everything was emanating the music at times, like the trees, the rustling of the leaves in the trees, or the little trickling sounds of the water and the streams and the bird song. I found myself weeping at times like a little child because I knew that what I was experiencing was something that was truly of a divine origin, and that's where the music came from. I'm assuming you maybe could share an example of the kind of music that you're speaking of. What can we share for your Song of the Soul? Well, why don't we start with my song, Carousel, and this is from my CD, Harp Dreams, which actually went to number one on the New Age music charts back in 2004 and uh, later was nominated for Album of the Year. This song, Carousel, it reminds me of uh, kind of a childhood vision of I remember when I used to go to the park when I was a young boy and they had those push merry-go-rounds that are metal and all the kids would climb on them and spin around in a circle and we would often lay on our backs and look up and friends would spin us in a circle and make us dizzy. And that was where the song came from, just kind of that childlike, playful spirit. Carousel with Peter Sterling.
from Peter Sterling's CD, Harp Dreams. That was Carousel. He's here today for Song of the Soul. While he's produced 12 CDs of music, he's also sharing with us the story of his journey into music with his book, Hearing the Angels Sing, A True Story of Angelic Assistance. And just as you said, Peter, Carousel, it touches on stuff from your childhood. Some of your songs very clearly come from the other world. They're music that's actually fed to you. What percentage of your music is, here's a tune that I heard while I was sitting out there meditating versus here's music that is coming to me from my own personal experience? Gosh, Mark, I mean, as far as I can tell, most of it comes from this higher source because oftentimes on many of my CDs, the compositions were spontaneously created in the recording studio. Like, for instance, with my first CD, Harp Magic, you know, when I was in the canyons and I heard the music, out of the silence, the music came to me. And then I had a series of, like, mystical visitations and encounters with angelic beings. I had a inner spiritual guidance that was telling me to just trust, surrender, and let go and allow the music to take me on a journey. And when I was sitting out in the wilderness meditating and listening to the celestial sound, I had an experience where I was like literally kind of floating out of my body and I kind of like an astral traveling kind of out of body experience. And when I went out of my body, I, I went up into this golden light and then to my astonishment, on my inner vision, I perceived that I was surrounded by angels I wasn't sure if I was just making this up, fantasizing, so I would many times bring myself back into my body and open my eyes and look around and shake my head and go, oh my God, what am I seeing? Then I would close my eyes and I would go back into kind of a meditative state and allow myself to travel up into the light again, and it was there that there were these angels there, I could see them, and ultimately we were able to communicate with each other, and they... They told me that I was to play the harp and to be a channel of heavenly music of which I was hearing. So ultimately, I ended up getting a small harp, and the, the music started coming through very rapidly for me without any formal lessons, really, after 10 months of just improvising and teaching myself and trusting this kind of impulse that was coming through my hands. I received the message from the angels that I was to go and make my first recording. When I went into the studio that night, I just said some prayers and lit some candles, and I just sat at the instrument, and I opened myself up to the inspiration of the moment, and I didn't necessarily really have a plan of what I was going to do, but I just allowed the angelic inspiration to flow through me, and those gave me the basic tracks for my first CD, Harp Magic, which went on to be discovered by an independent record label that released it worldwide to critical acclaim. So uh, in answer to your question, you know, most of my recordings, they've always kind of just spontaneously emerged in the moment. I've never gone in with a cut and dry plan. That's how it's always come through for me. And you can hear and read the details and many more stories about this in Peter Sterling's book, Hearing the Angels Sing, A True Story of Angelic Assistance. The thing that I'm not sure I fully understand, even though I've read the book, Peter, is what was it? spiritually that prepared you on this course 
not everybody believes in angels, and I don't know how strong your belief in angels was before you got there. And you're talking about sitting out in the wilderness, meditating for extended periods. That's not the normal course of events in this world. As a matter of fact, so many of us are just trapped in the noise and the hustle and bustle, and, and we're kept from that. What was your childhood, religion, spirituality, and how did that transition into what led you to the angels? Well, I'm glad you kind of asked this question earlier. I'm glad you came back to it. As I describe in the book, one of the most influential early experiences I had was my relationship with my grandmother. turned out she was a real mystic, and she was a soul traveler and very adept at kind of astral travel into these higher planes. She started actually teaching me about this. And when I was a young boy and she was taking care of me, she would always whisper things in my ear, trying to remind me of who I was kind of in my soul. One of the things she always said to me was, listen to your inner voice, Peter. Listen to your inner voice. It will guide you. So that was something that I always did. That was always this connection I had because of her influence to listening to my inner voice or the, the conscience perhaps or the higher self. And I uh, was drawn to mysticism and esoteric metaphysical studies, even as a teenager, reading the works of Herman Hesse, Carlos Castaneda, and various writers like that. I just seemed to naturally be drawn to more mystical pursuits. And I never, Mark, I've never in my life had a nine-to-five job. <laughs> I just seemed to, was able to avoid that. I knew it wasn't for me. And that allowed me the freedom to really follow my heart. And it was a big sacrifice because a lot of the time I had very little money and struggled financially. Even after the harp came into my life, even though I had an immediate success with the first CD, there were times after that where I, I struggled and had a lot of challenges to overcome. But these were all for my grooming and to my preparation and to develop the character to know that good things and great work sometimes, you know, in most instances take real dedication and a steadfast commitment to see it through. Well, before we go too far into your journey, maybe we do want to share a little bit of music from that first CD that you released, the one that was so immediately under the guidance of angelic figures. What can we share from there? Well, let's listen to the song, A Love Eternal. This is a favorite for many people, and I often play this at weddings. And it features my friend Annie Williams on vocals, and she's actually quite an accomplished harpist herself. She just did beautiful singing for me, and I, I sing with her. It turned out uh, at the time of this recording and studio session, she had just met a new man in her life, and she was so happy and ecstatic because of this new relationship, and her heart was wide open. And I just asked her to sing to her beloved a love song. So the quality of her voice very touching. I sang along with her, so it's a love song, a love eternal.
A Love Eternal, from Peter Sterling's first recording, Harp Magic. He's with us here today for Song of the Soul, and you are listening to Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production, website nordenspiritradio.org. On my site, you can hear seven years of archives of programs we've been doing. You can listen to them, download them. You can also find them via iTunes. You can also find links to our guests, like to Peter Sterling, who's with us here today. If you want to go directly to him, his website is harpmagic.com. Of course, you can also just follow the link from nordenspiritradio.org. While you're on our site, please do leave comments. We love to have your comments. It helps guide us. And you can also leave us a donation. There's a donate button, or you can find our address there. We wouldn't be doing this program without your support. So please go to nordenspiritradio.org. Again, we just heard A Love Eternal. Beautiful, beautiful song. I did notice the female voice in there, and I was going to ask you who it was. I'm so glad you shared about Ani there. You already mentioned this, but given the early success that you had with Harp Magic and just how that career just launched, it's amazing that you then hit some doldrums later on and almost stopped pursuing this musical vision. I mean, what the angels were telling you to do. How constantly were you going back to the divine realms to connect? I think that almost all of us, when we experience success, it tempts us to think that we're special as opposed to where our inspiration's coming from. That's a good point, and I, I do talk about that in my book. Well, one of the early setbacks was when I first signed my record, got my record deal, and I got international distribution. And then I was nominated for the National Award for String Album of the Year, and I had a lot of success. And that first year, I sold over 10,000 copies of Heart Magic, which was just a phenomenal. And I, I got some sizable royalty checks, and that was really like miraculous for me because I was just uh, kind of a spiritual wanderer living in my van with very little money. And then all of a sudden I found my true calling and I found a great way that was just very enjoyable and fulfilling to do and, and also to get paid for it. I, I really found that I found my path. And then unfortunately what happened was about the mid-90s, the independent music market changed quite a bit. I was with a company called World Disc, and they were one of the first record companies to put music into gift stores. And they really pioneered that, and they did very, very well. And then all of a sudden what happened was everybody saw what they were doing at the record labels, so they started to infiltrate into the gift market as well. And so the sales of that particular company declined. And then they ended up selling the company to a, one of their competitors who mismanaged it, and the whole thing fell apart. So I lost my record deal, and all of a sudden I was a free agent, and I didn't really know how to manage myself to, to get my music out there. So that was a real challenge for me. And then later on, one of the other great challenges was when I started having some of these early successes, I really, as you say, I started to think I was pretty cool and that I was special in the eyes of God and the angels and they, I was chosen to do this. And at times I got a little inflated with my ego and got a little carried away with it. And then what happened, as I describe in the book, when I was one day I was driving in my van. I was in northern New Mexico in Taos and my van caught on fire. I only had time to get out of the car before the whole thing was engulfed in flames and my instruments were in the van at the time, so I lost two of my harps that I had. It really seemed like the angels took them away from me to teach me a lesson that they told me that it's not about you, 
that it's about us and this higher purpose for this music and they wanted me to know that they could take it away as quickly as they gave it to me. So there was a period of time where I had to recommit and I had to recapitulate my past. And I thought about giving it up at times, but in the moments of my greatest doubt, when I was really struggling financially and whether or not I could really make this thing fly or if I should just go out and get a real job and forget about music, I would always get a, a call or a letter or an email from somebody that would tell me how moved they were by my music and what a gift it was to them. And it was those kind of communications that would keep me going and allow me to keep the faith, so to speak. And as a result of that, I was able to overcome some hardships and some challenges, and, and I'm real grateful for that. And once I kind of cleansed and purified myself and recommitted to be of service to this higher calling, the harp was able to come back into my life. Actually, there were about three months where I didn't have a harp and I didn't know if I would get one. But through a turn of events, I was able to get another one and I was able to overcome those challenges and kind of rise like the phoenix, uh, the, the flames. Out of those literal flames in this case, yeah. That's true. And they really purified me and refined my ego. Well, let's keep going, Peter, with some more of your music. What would you care to share next? Now let's listen to In Monet's Garden, and this is from Harp Dreams again. This is one of my all-time favorite pieces, and this song came through, as I was explaining earlier, through improvisation, and all of a sudden this very striking melody appeared, and it had a, a real quality to it. As I and I, what I did is I, what I would often do is look up and kind of in my imagination, in my mind's eye, and see if the melody and the music was evoking any type of imagery. In this case, when I did it with this melody, I saw people that were sitting in a garden and they were having a picnic. It seemed to me what I was seeing that people were wearing antique clothing from the early 1900s and then women had long flowing dresses and bouffant hairdos with big hats and umbrellas to protect them from the sun and the men were wearing woolen coats and vests and they had handlebar mustaches and derby caps and they were having a very gay time. They were laughing a lot and they were near a willow tree and beautiful garden setting and near a, a water, a pond of water. And I heard a voice when I looked up and I heard, this is Monet's garden. And at the time I, I knew who Monet was. I knew he was perhaps the most famous of the French Impressionist painters, but I didn't know much more other than that. And so that led me to the library in Sedona where I was living at the time. And I went to the art section and found a book on Monet and started flipping through the pages. And within moments, I came to a page that had a picture of it that looked almost identical to the vision that I had seen in my imagination. But according to him, his greatest masterpiece was the garden that he created in Giverny outside of Paris, where he lived and painted for the last 25 years of his life. And many people came to visit him there, and he would often lead them on a tour of the garden and always end up on the Oriental Bridge overlooking his beloved water lilies. And it was there that I was told that many people would have a realization or a revelation just in the beauty of the garden and the splendor of what Monet had created. And, and that was really the center of the, the energy vortex of Monet's garden was on the bridge. And as I performed the song for many years, I always do a little guided meditation and tell people to close their eyes and we'll take a little journey into the garden and Monet will be there and he'll lead us through the garden path and we'll end up on the Oriental Bridge and I encourage people to be open to receive perhaps a spiritual vision when they're on the bridge that maybe something or somebody will be there to meet them. So as we listen to that song, maybe our listeners here could 
close their eyes and we'll all take a little journey into the garden with Monet and we'll end up on the bridge and just be open to receive the vision when we get to the bridge.
been guided by Peter Sterling into a vision of Monet's garden, and that is his song, In Monet's Garden, from his recording, Harp Dreams. You can find more about Peter via the link that you can find on nordenspiritradio.org or go directly to harpmagic.com. Again, In Monet's Garden, from a vision that Peter himself had. I've enjoyed, by the way, in reading your book and in hearing from you, how this progressed, where the Spirit is giving you messages via music more often than words. So many people channel Spirit in terms of words. It seems a rarer case that someone consorts with the angels and brings back the music. Well, I was going to say there's many stories in the past of the great composers like Beethoven and Bach and Wagner that actually were having angelic visitations as well. And they actually wrote about this in their writings, many of them, and how their purpose of their music was to uplift humanity and to bring them into touch with the heavenly angelic energies of which was inspiring their music. So there's a long history of the angels inspiring many of the great master artists, not only the composers, but many of the great painters throughout history, like Michelangelo and other artists that were truly touched by angels. And even the founding fathers of our country, like George Washington, spoke in his writings about how he had angelic visitation and was guided by the angels to set the cornerstones for our great nation. Many, many of the great works throughout history and antiquity have been inspired by the angels. So I know I'm not the first to do this. One of the things that you mention in the book and it's in the course of talking about one of your deep loves along the way. You talk about how you became clear that even though this deep connection you had with this woman, this manifestation of the divine, that you were loving that divine in one case and you didn't need to be limited to one person. Now, I understand now that you've got a son. I believe you're married what was your understanding then, and has that changed at all now? I mean, now that you're settled in a relationship, does that mean that what you experienced before you're seeing from a different angle, or is this just uh, another side of the truth? Yeah, I think as we grow and progress on our life journey, our beliefs and our perspective change on things. And I think in the early days I was a wanderer and I was a, a free spirit. I didn't want to get too tied down in any way. You know, the most important thing was my attainment of my spiritual goals. Even though I enjoyed many of my trysts and relationships I had, I was never too attached to them. But as you say, now with a child and my wife, it's all different now. And I'm in a different phase of my life, and I'm much more committed and grounded in that respect. And I have a solid foundation in creating my own family. And I look back on those times with fond memories when I was free to blow with the wind wherever the spirit would guide me, but uh, it's different now. But I think there was a lot of creativity and inspiration that came from those freedom times in the past. Now there's a different type of freedom as we get older and mature. I'm in a new phase in my life, and it definitely has influenced the current music on Patterns of Reflection, my most recent album. The song is called Child of Light. When he was in the womb, this piece came through and it really felt like his spirit was influencing me. And his spirit is throughout the album in many instances, but the song in particular was really dedicated to him and, and the new life coming to me to take care of and coming into sacred trust to be his father, child of light. 
Music through Peter Sterling. The song Child of Light is from his latest recording, Patterns of Reflection. He's also the author of a book that came out recently called Hearing the Angels Sing, A True Story of Angelic Assistance. Wonderful to experience myself again listening to that song, Peter. My own path forward with my child as he came into the world and how deeply bonded my spirit is. As much as I value being attached to every person, seeing everyone as a reflection of that divine light, there's an extra measure of it which I can perceive through my own child. Has that been your experience? Well, what I'm finding now is that so much of the way that I'm experiencing my life is through the eyes of my son, who's just one and a half, and he's really brought me into his world more than ever. I'm seeing the world through the eyes of a child and a wonderful kind of renaissance in a sense of seeing the innocence and the purity of how the child experiences the world and my son. And, and he's really teaching me a lot in a way, as I know most parents out there probably agree with this, that they bring this new energy into our life and open us up into this magical, innocent realm of the child. That's what much of this new music is about on Patterns of Reflection, my latest CD, which, by the way, was number one on the International New Age radio charts for this past March of 2012. One thing I noticed about in that song, Child of Light, it seems more measured. I mean, in some ways, you know, when a child's coming, I guess that's the pregnant pause that (laughs) measures our life. And I feel the pauses in there, whereas usually with your music, it's constantly flowing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is quite literally the pregnant pause that you felt, but it seems like it changed the speed at which your life was going. Well, I think it certainly did. And 
that particular piece, the way, actually the whole album is kind of interesting, the way it came about, Patterns of Reflection is the name of the album, and each of these tracks, in many instances, several of the tracks, were born out of just, it's kind of a recording I always want to do, because I, I play very rhythmically on the harp, and so many of the tracks were just born out of these kind of patterns. When I look at the harp, and I play the harp, I see the strings projecting out in front of me, it's like a grid. And I'm just seeing different patterns. So I, I just went into various patterns that I keep playing over and over again in many instances, and then without necessarily a melody. And then I overdubbed on top of that the melodic aspect of the song. It was a unique way to approach the compositions on this album. Well, I'm glad that you got around to that new approach. This continuing creativity that's coming out in the course of your 12 CDs, I think we have time for just a little bit more music. How would you care to finish off your Song of the Soul, Peter? Well, I think we, we chose one more song, little one. This is just another one dedicated to my son, Micah, and actually my wife, Crystal, sings, and she does the childlike voice on this. And I think this really captures, again, the playful, childlike spirit of, of the little ones in our lives. We're going to finish off today's Song of the Soul by listening to one more song by Peter Sterling. The song is Little One. I remind you to check out his book, Hearing the Angels Sing, A True Story of Angelic Assistance. I'll note also that because we ran out of broadcast time, there's more interview with Peter out on northernspiritradio.org. Look for the bonus excerpts there. Again, Peter, I so much appreciate you being here today and being a faithful conveyor of the music of the angels. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Little One by Peter Sterling.
The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.